Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations, where we talk about mental health, spirituality, adversity, and societal issues. I'm your host, Furkan Gandia, and join me in this week's captivating episode where we dive deep into the mesmerizing realm of bodily healing, unlocking the secrets behind its extraordinary ability to restore harmony to mind, body, and soul. In this episode, I'm joined by Tawny Leon, and we unravel the mysteries of somatic healing, shedding light on its history, principles, and proven benefits. From ancient practices to modern science-backed methodologies, we uncover the various approaches that empower individuals to tap into their body's innate capacity for healing. We discuss the science behind how our bodies store emotional and traumatic experiences, and hopefully the listeners will understand how unresolved emotions can manifest as physical ailments and how somatic healing provides a holistic approach to address these issues at their roots. Explore practical techniques and exercises that can guide you toward unlocking your body's hidden potential for self-healing. Learning how mindful movement, breath work, and meditation can harmonize your inner energy, promote relaxation, and alleviate stress and trauma. Discover the art of listening to your body's signals and intuitively responding to its needs, fostering renewed vitality and well-being. We also cover the intricate neural mechanisms underlying somatic healing, explaining how it stimulates the release of neurotransmitters that facilitate emotional release and physiological balance. Tawny is a somatic and transpersonal licensed therapist, coach, and facilitator. She is devoted to continually exploring and supporting mutually deep and expansive connections, believing that the way we heal the world is right here, right now by way of connecting with the stories in our bodies. The narrative of our nervous systems and the co-creativity made by clicking with both the human and other than human world. She has a hope that all beings may know liberation and transformational love. Please check the show notes to see how you can find Tani online and also leave a review or a comments in the comment section. I would truly appreciate it. All right, Tanya, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on and looking forward to our conversation. But uh, before we get started, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners and let us know a little bit about what it is that you do and where you're based. Okay. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And my name's Tawny. I'm a licensed psychotherapist in the state of California. Um, I work somatically, relationally, and uh, also depth uh, with individuals and couples. And I also do some coaching with folks who aren't in California, too. And typically, folks come to me to talk about um, attachment and intimacy and uh, becoming more emotionally aware uh, and connected to themselves, other people, the world, their spirituality, um, or their soul, depending on how you use that language. Yeah. I really love it. I feel so grateful to get to do what I do. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing all that. And just to kind of get right into it, I've 
the, the word somatics come up a lot on this podcast, but we have, I haven't really had the opportunity to explore it with guests or talk about it myself, but, um, I just want to ask you if you're able to kind of walk us through what does somatic really mean and how it's beneficial to tune into it in terms of when we do somatic work from a counseling perspective or therapeutic perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so somatic work, there's lots of different fields and schools of thought. Um, I'm in, I am in somatic experiencing, which is, uh, was created by Dr. Peter Levine. Uh, and I've been a part of that for a few years and, um, that is very trauma nervous system focused, but there's other different kinds of trainings too that you may hear of, like EMDR or sensory motor psychotherapy, right? Or some people on here. There's also internal family systems or Hakomi, which are all, which are also considered somatic. It's really just body based present moment awareness. And I say just as if it's easy. I think it's simple, but it's not easy, right? Yeah. Um, so- Somatic work is really noticing um, the sensations in your body, different imagery that comes up, memories, your behaviors, and then uh, getting a clearer understanding of what feelings you're feeling and how they're associated with your body. And it's an ongoing process. Uh, And it can often feel very, um, almost like psychedelic in my experience because it goes to this more right-brained pre-verbal place where so much is getting processed in this kind of more ethereal space in a way. It's ethereal in a way, right? Like when you're working with imagery or sensation, but it's also really not because it's really in your body. Like the purpose of it is to be grounded and here and to become more aware of when we're triggered. Um, and what things can help us to widen uh, what's often called the window of tolerance, but some other trauma therapists will um, call it different things not so related to tolerance and instead more expressive-based um, and more containment-based because the tolerance piece can almost be like, um, what can I tolerate? Like how much pain can I tolerate? Whereas right. a lot of the time, when times when working with folks and with myself too, with all of us, it can be actually harder in some ways to be with the quote-unquote good feelings or good experiences. And so widening that capacity or that circle of capacity, whatever you want to call it, is a huge part of the work too, being able to kind of ruminate on uh, what feels spacious inside of us and gives us more clarity in our lives. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you for that. And and when we talk about pain, you feel like a lot of the times we just become immune to the pain because we've got all this trauma that's stored inside and, and we've just tucked it away. And bringing it to the surface is often difficult or we're just used to those sensations. And to your point, because you're not really typically engaging the right brain, uh, using the left brain, you're able to kind of make use logic around it and just dismiss it rather than paying attention to it. Yeah, I mean, I love that you said dismiss because as you asked that question, I was thinking about different attachment styles. And um, just to riff on what you're saying, it's reminding me of the difference between an insecure attachment style as there's fearful, avoidant, dismissive, or preoccupied. And often people will think, oh, dismissive or avoidant, they're not feeling anything. Mm-hmm. 
uh, they have a, you know, like maybe some people will think, oh, I just, yeah, I don't have feelings or I don't have that pain tolerance. But really in my experience is that when we saw out from that dismissiveness or get closer to our heart, to our bodies, to our sensation, we recognize, holy shit, there's all this pain here. And that's yeah. where we need to titrate it, right? Like come in a little bit and then come out. Otherwise we'll become overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and the pain is really there to give you some, uh, something, offer something like the body's yeah. always trying to send us a message. And sometimes that pain can increase if we're, if we're not really paying attention to it or uh, not figuring out what the source of the pain is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to say across the board, but I guess in my experience, when pushing down that pain over and over and over, it's like a jack in the box. It's going to come out cracking and in reactivity at some point. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And, and often, do you find like the, because I see a lot of the, the symptoms of pain are fairly common. A lot of people experience tightness in their chest and stuff like that. Do you feel like, depending on where the pain is, that there could be something unique that needs to be dealt with? Like, could the pain itself, like, for example, when people, uh, I see a lot of people that have issues with being able to speak. And it's like, okay, well, that's because they've never really had the opportunity to uh, have a voice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess I feel a little hesitant, not that you're saying this, but about being prescriptive with, with um, yeah. like if this feeling happens, then that just because I think our bodies and our experiences are so nuanced. And for me, where the magic and transformation really happens is slowing things down, you know, like really pouring molasses over our experiences in a way, you know, and just like for, for that example that you brought in, if I had a hard time speaking, really being with the sensations in my throat and seeing if anything comes up as I'm with that internally, like if I bring my interception, my internal awareness to that space, mm -hmm. and maybe trying to swallow or see what my body wants to do or maybe yell um, and then see if there's any uh, emotions related to certain memories that come up and then kind of work through it that way. And then hopefully, yeah, be able to express at some point whatever needs to be expressed for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and interoception is a very fascinating thing for me because I think there's so much layer, so many layers behind it. Because you're, you really have to have this ability to find stillness and pay attention to what's going on internally. And I think in kind of the society we live in today, it's hard to to be still and find that yeah. moment of solitude and really pay attention because we our lives are so cluttered with everything going on around us. We created all this busyness. Um, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are with that because I find like that's, I mean, for me personally, over the years, it's become a conscious practice and knowing when I'm starting to feel a little bit stressed or if I'm having challenges with emotionally regulating myself, it's like, good reminder that perhaps I haven't sat in stillness for a while or it's long overdue and yeah. really taking that time to be mindful of it and give myself that space. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought in the the culture and systems piece around 
you know, capitalism for one, right? And like, yeah. and just this idea, uh, and not just idea, but our lived experience of, you know, needing to make money to survive and go, 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 fast, fast, fast. And then a lot of times intergenerational travel-wise, we can come mm-hmm. from a very sympathetically oriented family system that needed to run to survive or needed to work so much to survive. And some of us need to do that now. I think most okay. of us need to do that now, right? So there's this, it's it's paradoxical in a way because we need to slow. Um, and the systems that we're in, at least, you know, popular culture or like general society it's harder to do that like in cities that comes up for me a lot you know it's like Mm -hmm. the city has all this beauty to offer and at the same time can we slow down to feel our soul yeah Yeah, i don't know if i answered your question though but um just trying to tack on to that more when you're saying that you notice if you're feeling maybe like you haven't emotionally regulated or I know when I've become more reactive, I'm like, yeah, I need some yoga. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I need some like nonlinear movement in my body. And it reminds me of when I was young, I went through a 200 hour practice uh, to learn more about the practice of yoga, including the physical movement, because the physical movement practice of it was like feeling every cell awake. You know, like throughout the day, even now I have to remember, like, I can just become an intellectual head that's totally cut off. And I think that, yeah, I see you shaking your head. That's totally cut off from this, like, fleshy experience down here and not just the flesh, but the organs and the sensations and then the feelings of just, uh, it's easy to become separate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I think uh, one of the things that I found very beneficial in that aspect is being able to take regular time out in nature. And to your point, as you were saying, you know, the city has a lot to offer, but it's really hard to disconnect when you're in the city. And then when I'm out in nature, often I don't have cell reception, which also helps. And I'm able to completely disconnect from everything. But there's something about nature where you find harmony as well. And to your point, perhaps even get in more touch with your soul but that is the whole idea of stillness at least for me uh and being mindful of of giving myself that on a on a fairly regular basis that's incredible yeah and so so important so necessary you know it's like although it's wonderful to go do a retreat every once in a while if we can or take a few days off i really found that Things change for me internally and externally if I can make it the daily practice. Yeah. And multiple yeah, and, day. <laughs> yeah, if you if you can, that's great. Um, <laughs> the, the other piece you talked about is intergenerational trauma. And I've covered that to a certain extent on here, but not really from a somatic perspective, because Intergenerational trauma presents itself in many, many ways. You, you know, uh, we touched on emotional regulation because uh, often we will react and not know why we're reacting a certain way, where it came from. And a lot of the thing, times these things are passed down to us, whether it's through watching our own parents or how they treated us, uh, different ways. But how does it present itself from a somatic perspective based on your experience? 
Yeah, well, first I just want to say I'm not an intergenerational trauma expert or anything like that. Fair enough. <laughs> I really love Mark Wallen. I might be saying his last name in yeah. his book. Yeah, I've read that book. Like, yeah. 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 Um, and so, again, it's one of those things when I've worked with people or worked with myself that's very individual. But if I have a background, for instance, uh, it, you know, part of my family is Jewish. And so there has been, you know, a lot of pain and destruction and shame mm-hmm. there and uh, a lot of hiding. And so there can potentially be ways where the body she and like curls inward or certain repetitive motions over and over or just kind of stuck in that sympathetic nervous system state of always on high alert um and almost like being comfortable in that state that high sympathetic arousal um, which is sometimes really fun and other times really not fun of like super anxious versus very giggly and happy whatever like more if we wanted to use um you know, pathologizing language like hypomanic or something, right? Like just um, like you can't feel feel your feet on the ground in a way. So then beginning the process of feeling into that sympathetic nervous system state can be really uncomfortable at first to really touch into, wow, there's a lot happening here. And so simply slowing down begins to open up this field of awareness and bring in slowness. And sometimes I found like when I was younger, I noticed that I started noticing this pattern in myself, my family, the sympathetic nervous system response, uh, learning about my my family heritage. And I, it's, it's kind of funny to say this, but I was like, oh, it's going to be boring if I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And, and I've actually heard this now a few times. Like if I'm not in this go, 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 sympathetic arouse, like on like, like witty and like on my toes all the time and whatever, but then there's this swinging the opposite direction of like, lots of panic, anxiety, maybe over control. But in my head, I was like, oh, I don't want to let go of this because then I will be boring. <laughs> yeah, and that's, yeah. Yeah, that's one way that I think it can show up. And I think it was probably messaging from my, from my dad's family potentially too, of like, that's too slow. We have to go. Yeah. So that's one way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That high, high alert is definitely there, right? from a fight yeah. or flight perspective. And I think you often get used to that cortisol just pumping through your body, right? And to your point, yeah. it, it it does feel like boring when you're not on high alert and, <laughs> yeah. and not in that excited state. And um, to your point, again, slowing things down and finding that rested state within yourself. Otherwise, you're, yeah, the, the, the downside is the anxiety and which can also lead to like lack of sleep and, and lack of focus. And a lot of people experience that too when they're uber hyperactive and just constantly trying to control really? things. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or pain or lack of being able to intimately connect or be emotionally vulnerable. Cause if you're in that state, it's kind of hard to connect mm-hmm. in a, in a, in a more vulnerable space. I think a yeah. reason that can really help that is and also is related to intimacy too it's kind of funny but um it's like you can have you can be in that state of ventral vagal or when you're feeling safe and social and you can pepper in like 
idiosyncrasy and playfulness and jokes and irreverence or whatever. And similarly with intimacy, you can have healthy relationships. Like, okay, sometimes they're going to be feel boring or whatever. Also, you can have some spicy, like toxic sex. You know what I mean? Like we get to create, if we like parts and pieces of that, let's move towards making it more, I guess, wholesome. Yeah, I don't know about wholesome, but like more, um, more healing. That's that's the right. ideal for me in books I work with generally anyway. Okay, that's fair. So so it's not like judging yourself too much and finding some sort of a balance where you're still able to operate in, in a healthy state, but not completely dismissing all parts of yourself. Yeah, 100%. Inviting them in, getting to know why they're here, and right. then being able to express them in a way that's uh, more conscious. So it's not just reacting in a way that's harmful, but if you want to play with that kind of energy, um, you can do that. One of my mentors, Francesca Gentile, teaches Conscious Kink, and I went through her program, Conscious Kink for Clinicians, and it reminds me of that actually is like being able to play with power dynamics as an example in a way that is full of consent, awareness, and embodiment, as opposed to just living them out reactively, which is actually incredibly common, especially coming right. from more of a domination-based capitalistic culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's probably a good segue into internal family systems, right? And and a lot of the work Carl Jung did was around integrating that shadow, otherwise it just keeps controlling you <laughs> uh, so which i find really fascinating right and then there's probably later on probably another segue into being more aware of your soul but yeah i think that element of being able to truly integrate your shadow is really fascinating because the tendency is to either not be aware of it or come aware and try to completely dismiss it as we've talked about and and how do you find that healthy balance and so i mean probably looking to you for that a little bit in terms of how do you inter uh integrate that internal family systems work into your yeah. practice then yeah um yeah i'm just navigating how to answer that I think yeah 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 just to answer the first part of your question before the ifs part um is I think I'm thinking of this uh, in Ram Dass's book. I forgot the name of it, but there's this there's this picture of hippies and cops. <laughs> He's like hippies create cops and cops create hippies, <laughs> you know. And I yeah. think that's really helpful to remember is that when we have that black and white thinking with that nuance, that we are going to create a split. A psychological split where it's hard to have that integration and awareness and cohesion of our internal families or our internal parts all together so sometimes people will be like oh i need to just get rid of my ego or get rid of my shadow and um i understand the desire for that to kill those parts you know but i also am more curious about uh getting to know those parts because i don't believe and it's not just me who believes this not like i'm saying something wild thing but we can kill off parts of ourselves in that way they're just going to come up and i think you were alluding to that too right in other ways and so there's more of this um you know sitting down to have tea with our demons from like the buddhist lineage right of like really getting to know all of ourselves and bringing acceptance and not to say i want to continue being reactive or like some of my shadow parts 
but also being able to know that when that happens, I can slow things down, I can come back and I can repair, I can try to repair, I can apologize and I can forgive myself, I can forgive the other person. Like, Actually, a really big piece, I think, as I'm speaking about this is the acceptance and the curiosity towards all of our parts, but also mm-hmm. bolstering up our own emotional communication is a huge part of my own path in life and with working with people. Because if we can trust that we're going to be able to know how to approach conflict and repair, then our shadow might not be as scared. So like, if I understand correctly, it's really giving and holding space for yourself, really, right? Without, again, judgment, as we've talked about. And, and I think being comfortable with all those parts of ourselves that often present themselves, right? Totally. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the yin and yang, like you, you, uh, kind of have to balance both. Yeah. And with other people too, right? Like, you know, uh, especially, yeah, it doesn't really matter when this was, but like sometimes when there has been conflicts, I will, I have demonized people. That's a very common thing, especially in couples therapy of like, this person does this thing, maybe their shadow's popping up, right? Um, and that means they're a fucking asshole. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. They can't be totalized by their behavior, by just one behavior too, right? right? Um, but then therein lies the importance of all of us doing this work if we can uh, to be able to really acknowledge all parts of ourselves and treat ourselves with compassion and other people. I think it becomes easier to treat other people with compassion if we're treating ourselves with compassion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, that, that's part of the problem I see right now everywhere where there's a lot of blaming and finger pointing is because people haven't really been able to give themselves space and compassion or they haven't done their own healing. So it's easier to to villainize others and to your point, not recognize that we all have our own shadows that we're dealing with or, or our own uh, challenges that we, I, I, I truly believe we all need to heal. And that's something that we all need to embark on. It's a lifelong journey because there's so much that happens and so many layers to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. And I know some folks don't love the language of like, I don't want to have to heal. Like, I'm not broken. Or, well, why do we have to heal? And I think, I think we might be saying the same thing here. But I also think about it as far as just inhabiting more of our experience and having more capacity. Because the more potentially we grow or just experience life, the more there can be constriction from pain and trying to protect ourselves. And so the more we can become aware of that and like, as you say, heal and become conscious of it, then we're able to notice it and through it to become more spacious again. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you mean when you say more spacious? I guess, well, when I say spacious, uh, I mean, being able to be responsive instead of reactive. So, you know, when you're feeling really triggered and it's like there's no space between your response and somebody else. And I know I've totally done this. I have certain triggers. I'm aware of some of them. 
and it'll just be like immediately like you come out with your chest i'll talk about you i just you know and it's like there's no spaciousness around that there's no ability to be able to even look at look at the situation through different lenses um you know i didn't take a few breaths uh Right. Whereas if I can sit with whatever's coming up and there's that stillness as you spoke to, and it actually feels like there's more of me to be able to create the next experience or rather co-create it with somebody else. There's a trigger. Right. Yeah. And the trigger part is so crucial because we all have them, as you mentioned, and, yeah. and it's recognizing where those triggers are coming from. And we've already talked about a lot of it. Uh, it could be family related or it could be something that happen to us and uh yeah I, I think working through it too i think there's a lot of what typically happens is we feel like we're on this journey and to your point we've created the spaciousness but then we're not aware of some other trigger that may come up and then it's easy to get discouraged or or get shame ourselves but it's recognizing that again it's it's a process it takes time and there's always going to be something um, you know, I feel like I've worked through various triggers, but there's still some that keep coming up and that keeps things interesting. I'd be pretty bored if I didn't have some new challenge to work through. Right. But those are my triggers, I suppose. And what a loving way to look at that, too. You know, it's yeah. like there's this invitation to greater growth as opposed to the shaming of oh, another trigger. It's hard though. There's, there's always yeah. some guilt associated with it or, uh, you know, I feel like most people are very critical of themselves, myself included. So when those triggers initially come up, there is a lot of like, uh, a lot of self shaming and, uh, criticizing myself that, oh, I should know better and all that. But I think it's recognizing that that's just part of the journey too. And those moments are getting less and less uh, criticism doesn't last as long now because I've been able to build in a lot of compassion for myself and by extension others as well as we discussed earlier that's lovely <laughs> thanks yeah and then uh, kind of moving into the last piece that you mentioned in terms of the work you do the, the spiritual side and we've kind of briefly alluded to it but through all this work, you know, whether it's somatic or internal family systems, there's also this spiritual side to things that uh, I like to focus on because that's been a huge part of my journey over the last little while. So, um, so yeah, I think, how do you build that in for, for people or, or yourself? Yeah, it's tricky ter territory. It feels like, I don't know if it feels like this for you as a clinician, but as a clinician for me, it feels like tricky territory because spirituality can often be kind of compounded with organized religion and there's so much pain and suffering. And in the United States, uh, there is such a great divide um, and a lot of hate from, you know, like just a lot of hate, and so, but also a lot of protection, right? That's what it is, is protection from the pain of religion. And so I'm really only really recently coming out of like the God closet. You will. Yeah. Like be more open about it. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but I don't want to put my beliefs on anybody else, right? Um, yeah. Of course. Um, but 
to me, you know, spirituality is soulfulness, like soulfulness. And I'm sure you know this. I think we may have talked about this, but the origin of the word psyche and psychology actually translates to soul, the study of the soul, psychology. And I, I want to bring it back. And there's so many of us who are right. But like turning towards the transpersonal, which doesn't mean AI. Sometimes that gets, <laughs> sometimes they get, that gets mixed up. Transpersonal and in the lineage of how I've learned about it is beyond flesh. Um, that kind of heart to heart experience of when you're looking somebody in the eye and you feel that softness and opening and you're able to really feel a physical difference of what it feels like to be within intimacy. To me, that is what spirituality is or being out in nature and feeling that sense of oneness or psychedelic medicine for some folks, holotropic or different kinds of breath work. Um, and, and also imagery and art, uh, I think for me, spirituality can be synonymous with what we could call magic, um, of just this, you know, like just this experience that is, uh, non and not yeah. logical and not measurable at this time and maybe ever, I don't know. And so bringing yeah. that in, I mean, also, you know, it feels that way to me and I'm curious to know if it feels this way to you is empathy. And co-regulation, like being able to be in that uh, kind of coming down space of being seen in hyper-attunement, that feels magical to me. Yeah, I think with the empathy, I can definitely relate. I think it comes back to what you said, is, is this whole aspect of oneness, right? When When you can realize that we're all kind of one, quote unquote, yeah. but or, or we're all part of unity, then you can, it's easier to have empathy because you're like, Hey, this is just another part of me or someone that's experiencing something. And, and it's, I think it ties in with compassion. It almost goes hand in hand. And, and I, I believe that's when you really get to that or tap into that spiritual sense. But the, those are just my thoughts too, but very similar to yourself. Yeah. I don't, I don't tend, or at least I hope I don't tend to force my beliefs on others, but I think because of what I'm able to experience in my own life, I just want others to almost have that similar experience or feel it. And how you get there is up to you. Um, but I think it's, it's, there is something there, right? And, and um, I think it also even helps with your attachment styles because then you feel a sense of security that you're able to find within yourself. Yes. Yes. So beautiful and so right on. I'm so glad you brought that in. It, attachment researchers will talk about, and and uh, and also Jessica Fern, who wrote the book Polysecure, will talk about the nested model of attachment. So just like those Russian dolls, you know, the nested dolls inside of each other, that there's the individual and then branches out to community, family, global. And within that piece, I definitely see that spirituality piece, that soulfulness piece, that more than this human experience piece as being essential to to feeling security yeah right on <laughs> yeah yeah no, with you no there. I, I i like the russian doll uh example for sure or the metaphor because that that is how it is right and then when you get down to the root of it there's what it what you really come back to is your inner self or your highest self and i think we all have that and Think that's where you can really find that sense of oneness or, or unity uh, personally again that's just how i feel about it and how i look at it but 
yeah, you're right. There is a lot of trauma also associated with organized religion. And often people, when they try to go down this route, they have their own barriers because of perhaps their own experiences with organized religion or their family's experience or what they've seen on TV or what they've heard about. Mm-hmm. And that pushes a lot of people away. And I think you have to almost very similar to what I've been able to do is look past that and see that, okay, well, whatever connection you have with source or God is, is your own. It's, it's at least the way I can explain is very private. So let's not focus on all the noise, try to get past that and see how that feels. But yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you explaining it. I, yeah, because it is important to acknowledge we all have these barriers and biases to what religion or God means. Mm-hmm. And it's, it can really just be another invitation, I guess, into recognizing what does it mean for you? You know, like, yeah. what does God mean for you? We go, well, I just, I've been really vibing on the, this. It feels like that we're so infrequently understanding each other. We're so infrequently communicating. And so if I were to just slow you down and I wanted to a lot during this, not that you're talking fast, but just like, I want to like know more about like, what does God mean to you? And like, when you say attachment, what does that mean? And just like really defining each piece because that actually helps me to know you more. Otherwise, it's not really um, landing, you know, there's all these ideas of what I think you mean instead of what you really mean. Yeah. 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 No, I, I I appreciate that. I think it's also maybe it doesn't have to make sense, right? Like because our experiences are so unique, we have certain things happen to us in life or are <laughs> coming to God moments. It it could be very, very unique, right? And it's yeah. often what I've learned and what I've heard from others who've gone through similar journeys is you can't put it into words and yeah. sometimes you don't want to put it into words. And and I think part of the problem is we want to be able to, because we're so used to language, we want to be able to explain things. And it comes back to the whole right brain aspect that sometimes maybe need to operate in the right brain and, and just let things be uh, rather than trying to always use logic and explain things away. Yeah, yeah that feels important. So if you want to draw what you what you what you believe God to be, I want to see it. You want me to draw? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Probably, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. But like you know, yeah, and, art's more more right brained. I'm just teasing because yeah. I still have that desire, even though it's so true what you're saying. I still have that desire to understand people more. Yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. But I think that's part of the problem too, right? When people hear the word God or or whatever they use to describe it immediately the image just pops up is this old man in the sky right yeah. because of how we've been conditioned mm-hmm. and that alone can be very triggering for people so it's being able to maybe take a step back and try to deprogram yourself in a way and and uh off even recognize certain biases that come up from from words you hear because that to me is often the issue yeah i feel really good by that i just took a really big deep relieving breath it feels like really really important work to be doing 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything, I know we kind of went off on a tangent here, but is there anything else you feel like we can add here in terms of somatic work and perhaps we haven't covered yet uh, and that could be useful for the listeners? I guess one thing is that that's coming up for me is that there isn't one right way to do any of this, but any way that a person can feel supported in their exploration of their inner experience uh, is probably the way to make a step towards anytime, you know, you feel in connection or there's this maybe overwhelming sense of awe or wonder uh, they could be looking at a sunset or um, doing something physical, but just all those invitations, just kind of follow that. That's yeah. my hope for folks and for myself right. and, you know, for everyone is to continue following that thread back to the body and, and really back to our hearts and the sense of interconnection. Yeah. And I think just to kind of add on that too, I think recognizing that one of the things I've found is through healing, when you're able to be comfortable with that sense of self, you you often then can hear that voice inside of you, right? People may call it their intuition or, or their gut. It, it's being comfortable with that voice and giving it space. And I think, like you were saying, when you have those experiences, recognize what that voice is saying and and often, you know, therapy is obviously helpful in that yeah. sense where someone can guide you. But being what I wish for people is to really be able to sit with that voice and give it space, because that's ultimately what I think is is the goal. And, yeah. and that's when you're able to do that, you you have that overwhelming sense of awe, as you mentioned, too. And and then you want that for others. And that's how I think you through compassion and empathy, you're able to connect with others in a similar fashion and that that's yeah i love that you just shared that and then i was thinking too of how important it is to have some kind of support around because yeah. um, sometimes that can feel unreachable uh at certain times right and and i know sometimes just sitting in, in circles with people that are willing to really cry and dive deep and, and you know whatever that might not seem so normal that's that can be really supportive to your own inner journey nor my own inner journey. Um, and of course there'd be, and I just, yeah, I think I was going to say, I just really love surrounding myself and it's really uh, important to surround myself with people who are willing to go deep. And I actually think that's a really part of a really important part of the journey. And I see you shaking your head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and that it all doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it's this really uncomfortable liminal space where it feels like you're getting crushed, and that's just a part of it. Yeah, it can be overwhelming for sure. So I appreciate you adding that part, having that sense of community, and that's why community is important because that's where you can find connection, and and we all need that connection. And part of that reason is to be able to have that support when when you do have that sense of overwhelming uh, or or that overwhelming feeling come over you for sure yeah great well this was great and for for listeners that want to perhaps get a hold of you or find you online 
What are some ways they can do that? Yeah. Um, for folks in the state of California, the psychology today, and it's just Tawny Lyons. I, uh, my website is tawnylyons.com, and I also have an Instagram where I post a lot of musing, sometimes a lot, sometimes not so much. Just, and it's just Tawny Lyons, and it's T-A-U-N-E-L-Y-O. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. thank you again for coming on. I'm super grateful. And yes, typically I don't plan these conversations as as you're aware. So yeah, I'm into that. That's my favorite. We just let yeah. our psyches explore. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of exploration. So I, I appreciate you being open and willing to go where it, where wherever it took us. Yeah, I appreciate you. <laughs> Period. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for checking out this episode with Tani. As always, please leave a review or a comments in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. And also subscribe to the podcast. That's the best way to support this podcast. Thank you again. And until next week.